we're going to get into it because we are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right, let's jump in. Um, we're going to start with the Cybertruck being officially delayed. We, we won't get too much, uh, spend too much time on this one because the two weeks ago, we pretty much said that it was all but confirmed uh, with the way Tesla was talking about it. It looked almost impossible for them to deliver that car in 2021. Uh, last weekend, they updated their um, order page or reservation page, however you want to really lo- look at it. But if you go on Tesla's website and you uh, click on the Cybertruck and you want to reserve one, at the bottom, there's some uh, foot, uh, footnotes that uh, says that we are also making progress on the industrialization of... Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> uh, right here. Fully refundable, you will be able to complete your configuration as production nears in 2022. Now... Some people were questioning whether that means that it's for new orders being placed right now, or that production nears means when when the truck actually goes into productions. Which I think the latter is true because let's be honest here: if Tesla really has like a one million reservation for that truck, which it looks likely that they have, uh, do we really think that the new reservation right now will get you a truck in twenty twenty two? I think, I think that makes no sense whatsoever. So when they see when they see as production nears in 2022, I think they mean that production is going to start in 2022, uh, which also just makes sense based on everything else we know about the truck program right now, which is uh, including the fact that uh, the final engineering was only completed a few months ago, uh, that uh, Gigafactory Texas uh, is focusing still on Model Y production before getting to Cybertruck, and they haven't started Model Y production just yet. And not only are they going to focus on starting Model Y production, I think they're going to focus on ramping up Malawi production in uh, yep. in uh, um, sorry in Texas, and that will take a little while. Like I, I think somewhere into next year at least, and uh, maybe like hopefully by the end of the first half of next year. And I think that's when we're going to see Tesla putting more effort into bringing a Cybertruck in production at the factory. So that most likely more toward the second half of next year. So I think that should be your expectation right now. If um, uh, if you want to work with some kind of timeline here, because I know a lot of people are looking for the cyber truck and a lot of people are waiting for an electric pickup truck. And, you know, this sort of like race going on, you have the lightning that's also coming at some point in 2022. And you, you have uh, the uh, Chevrolet uh, Silverado we're going to talk about later that we don't have an official timeline on just yet. The Hummer is kind of its own class. Like you either you want the Hummer or you, or you don't, but really I wouldn't throw it with everyone. And then the Rivian, but the Rivian R1T is, I think the production is sold out for a while now. So it's, it really depends on their, on their production ramp up. Uh, so if you want to place a new order right now, because like you think, oh, my Cybertruck won't come until a certain time, uh, you really have to think about that too. Because if you place an order right now, like which one's going to come first? I don't know. Oh, we have uh, Dan here in the comments that uh, reminded us of something that we, we should do right now because last week we had some issues with getting through the, the questions. Uh, later on on the show, we're going to take some questions from you guys or some subjects you want us to talk about. Uh, if you have a specific question or subject you want us to discuss, please put them in all caps in the comment section so we can get to them faster because I know you guys like to have your own discussions in the chat too and that... Uh, Makes it more difficult for us to get to them and set us to yes, <laughs> dig it would deep. definitely be appreciated. <laughs> so I appreciate that, Dan. Um, yeah, so uh, that's where we're looking at for the Cybertruck timeline, though. Still excited about it. Uh, still have uh, my reservation for it. Uh, still, still, still is the pickup truck I'm most the electric pickup truck I'm most excited about. Don't know about you, Seth. 
Okay, so my thing is, I don't, I feel like Cybertruck is so far into the future that it, like, there's probably not going to be too many in 2022 even. Because, you know, Rivian's a new company and whatever. But they've been out on the, like, Rivian trucks have been out on the street for years. I mean, they made the, that movie about the, uh, you know, the long way up. Yeah. Like, and they they produced it, you know, like a year ago or two years ago, and it just came out like earlier this year. Like when Ford's got like way more, you know, F one fifties out on the streets testing and in, in the proving grounds. Like it doesn't feel like Tesla is anywhere close to production. I mean, we're talking about a totally new way to to make, um, you know, trucks with the the different kind of construction. You know, theoretically, it would be easier in the long run, but we don't know, you know, how it's done, if it's proven. I think the last um, stainless steel body car was like the DeLorean or something. Mm-hmm. So it's, I mean, there's a lot of questions. I'm I'm actually curious. Like, there's no, obviously, no way they're going to do it in 2021. I'm curious if they can even get to production in any meaningful numbers by next year with all the other things that are going on. Any meaningful I mean, theoretically no. they're even, they're working on the cyber truck they're working on the semi they're working on the roadster as well but you know that's that's probably 2023 stuff at this point yeah I think any meaningful uh, number I think you're right 2022 is unlikely but I think we're gonna see the truck for sure in 2022 by the end of it in some kind of form production wise yeah I think we're gonna probably have like a you know first deliveries event in you know November or mm-hmm. something like that um, it just doesn't feel like Tesla has made any big progress, like, you know, testing on the streets, mm-hmm. doing, you know, cold weather testing or, or, you know, tire testing or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. We haven't heard from suppliers that are like, hey, we need to, you know, send Tesla a bunch of hubcaps or whatever. You know, usually before like big ramp ups, we start getting that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's kind of how we knew 2021 was kind of a pipe dream for a long time. But to me, it's like, this is a whole new, kind of vehicle is a whole new thing and they have gotten like very little done like there's i mean we don't even know if there's like more than one cyber truck at this point i think we i think we think there's two yeah or we've we've seen two but um yeah to me it's just like there might be more d what uh, do it yourself uh pick up a cyber truck out there than, oh, than sure. tesla cyber trucks out there yeah um yeah, and that you know the cyber quad as well. Like, uh, I think there's like a hundred fake cyber quads and one real one. Uh, I don't, I've only seen the Ridgebold one, which is just out of a lot of this world. I think there's a lot of Eastern European versions. Oh, that might be. We're not. I'm not uh, tapped into the Russian uh, YouTube and Twitter space where they, yeah, they, well. they have their own little world there, <laughs> not a little big world. Um, all right, one thing interesting that happened this week is Tesla released their impact report for 2020. And uh, in that, they go to all the uh, ESG stuff, basically, that uh, they try to convince the institutional institutional investor. Well, the, the institutional investor these days, they rely a lot on these ESGs ratings that uh, rank the companies on uh, av- environmental initiative, social initiative, and uh, G, probably uh, governance, I think. It's basically how uh, woke you are, how environmental you are, and uh, how uh, well governed, I guess, the, the management, the culture of the company is um, being done. 
and it's it's all very uh objective stuff really uh and uh especially the, well except maybe for the environmental one like you have some standards that you, have, you, need, you need to achieve and everything but uh a lot of institutional investors now they have kind of a I don't know if you can call it quotas or, or, or threshold for companies that they, they won't invest in on, unless they achieve a certain score, score for their ESGs. And you would think, especially with the environmental stuff, that Tesla would score pretty high. But actually, it's no. Like the, Tesla has a pretty poor, or at least with the last update that I saw, they had a pretty poor ESG score. So the impact report is certainly something that can help them uh, improve that. Because the impact report is not just for the environmental stuff. Um, they also go into like their diversity uh, initiative, their um, all all that stuff. So we uh, you, you can go uh, read the report. We linked it uh, on the articles about it. But uh, we went into more of like uh, the interesting stuff for the new data released by Tesla. Uh, and this one was the one that uh, struck a chord with me because I'm, I'm big on recycling. I think recycling is a very important part of the equation to uh, make uh, electric vehicles sustainable you need to recycle the cars when they're done and especially the batteries uh, we knew in the, from the last report that tesla was developing its own unique battery recycling system and in uh, in this year's report they elaborated a little bit on that saying that the, it was deployed at, during the fourth quarter of 2020 uh, in uh, in gigafactory nevada and uh, they they um released some details into their process here uh, details more more like st- stats about how efficient it is and so they take a, a 1000 kilowatt hours of uh, end-of-life battery so a battery that is considered not useful enough right now to be used inside a car then they have the physical recovery which they claim a hundred percent efficiency on then they have the black mass enrichment which they claim a over 97 percent recovery on then you have the purification process uh, which is, is uh about 90 that's a minus sign what a, i'm not sure what not sure what's the logic here but 95 percent recovery uh efficiency and uh the results so out of your thousand kilowatt hour of batteries you end up with uh, 921 kilowatt hour worth of raw materials for battery production which uh is an overall process efficiency of 92 percent so that's that's pretty good like you're not you're not losing a lot of materials there and you can reuse all that to produce um a significant amount of batteries we know we know that uh that bad that recycling is very important and i think like the biggest sign for that for tesla i mean you have jb strobel one of the most important character in the history of tesla longtime cto was named co-founders as part of a lawsuit but still uh i think i think he deserved um, the title of co-founder at tesla and he, he left this very credible position that he had at Tesla to start his own recycling company and address this issue. So that that should tells you a lot. And uh, his company, of course, Redwood Materials, is already recycling batteries, so battery scrap from the Panasonic side of the Gigafactory, in Nevada. So that's the the cells themselves. The Panasonic is producing there that uh, they they scrap a ton of cells there through the process, and they send that to Redwood, and Redwood give them back materials where they can produce new cells so you have uh, less scrap and then we know that scrap also has been an, a point of con- uh, con- uh, contention contention, contention a sure. point of contention at the factory in nevada a few lawsuits around it we remember the trip uh, story and uh, a bunch of security guards too that claim that uh, 
a lot of people were stealing a lot of scrap out of uh, the factory. So it's nice to see Tesla uh, seeing the value in that scrap and recycling it instead. So the company also released some stats about last year how much uh, uh, scrap the uh, the sent to be recycled. Well, not scrap, but actually raw material to be sent to recycle. Uh, uh, One thousand three hundred tons of nickel, four hundred tons of coppers, and eighty tons of cobalt were recycled in twenty twenty. Uh, so that that doesn't necessarily mean that's Tesla that recycled them, especially since the, as they, they disclosed, on, it was on their facility was only active at sometimes in Q four of last year. But Tesla has been using third party uh, companies uh, for a while. I'm not sure that they've worked with Redwood though. Uh, might be like some kind of conflict about it since uh, the like this JB started it and he was still working at Tesla for a while. And... Yeah, but I mean mm-hmm. now JB's on like the board of. Uh, the uh, solid state battery, Quantum Scape, yeah, Quantum Scape. So, I feel like he's fully out at this one. Out of, yeah, yeah. Well, when he left in two thousand eighteen, was it two thousand nineteen? Yeah. I think maybe nineteen. Um, he would. He, they said that he didn't leave. He was just like uh, he he moved from a role of CTO to a role of advisor, and they didn't even say that he wasn't an advisor anymore. But I wouldn't be surprised if uh, that's the case. Model 3 Standard Range Plus saw its orders, new orders, being pushed all the way to 2022, January of 2022. So that's a significant delay. Well, it was already November, so two more months and not that big of a change. But it's uh, one of the biggest timeline that we've seen for the vehicle since it's reached volume production. Uh, now, like we're talking about almost two quarters here of, uh, of back order. Of course, like, well... When we yeah, say back okay. order on on new orders, like it, Tesla basically sold out its production capacity for 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 that time, but y- you might be able to still order one and get one like by the end of the quarter, just because we know how Tesla works. At the end of the quarter, they try to get as many deliveries as possible. So if something slip or something, they, they'll they'll deliver that car no matter what. So there's always room for for some some deliveries to happen faster. But for the most part, the production capacity is sold out. So they don't want to tell you that, oh, you could get it faster. Like if in a perfect world, everything goes well for every single order that we have in the book right now, you won't get your car until January. So that that's the point here. Uh, the um, the long-range drill motor is um, a faster, faster delivery timeline here. Uh, we're talking about... Uh, don't tell me I didn't write that in the article. That would have been useful. November. November. Eh. It just recently went from like... Uh, yeah, that's also something if timeline, the delivery timeline too. And then uh, the performance version is only four to seven weeks. Uh, same thing for Model Y, long range, November, uh, performance four to seven week. So... You can you can uh, speculate as to the reasons for those uh, significant delivery timelines, but... Um, uh, some, of course, it's always uh, the Tesla bulls will say that the demand is super high, so they're pushing the timelines, and uh, the shorts will will tell you there's a ton of production problems that's limiting the supply, which result in a longer timeline. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, Tesla all year round has had very strong demand in the U.S., so that I think I think that's significant. So that's a part of the of the reason here. And uh, yeah, they also have had plenty of supply, uh, supply chain issues, and the, the issues are mainly related to the chip shortage. And uh, now, <laughs> the chip shortage has migrated partly to the to the microcontroller market because Tesla and a lot of other companies have um, substituted chips for the microcontrollers. 
and now it created also a shortage there. And uh, so if you have like chips for, for airbags, chips for like just small parts of the cars that you wouldn't necessarily think about uh, as uh, electronics in them, but they do. Uh, so, and they all use the same basically, like or, or very similar products. So in the case of the Model 3, like all the, even the Model Y, you can bunch them all together and all different variants uh, have a bunch of the same chips in there. So Tesla, of course, will prioritize certain variants of the cars and obviously they're going to prioritize the variants that are um have a higher margin so and this gains the long range and, and the performance versions and i think what we're seeing right now the standard range is uh standard range plus is um falling behind because of that too and and strong demand too all right one other that is falling a lot behind is the mall s we talked about last week a little bit but uh we said that a bunch of owners, uh, not not even well, some a lot of them are already owners, but a lot of new buyers of the Mall S uh, have been complaining to Tesla, and they, they wrote a public letter about it to ask Tesla for better communication around their orders that uh, keep being pushed all the time. And um, so, in, in this case, we're talking about existing orders. So that's different from what we just talked about: new orders, delivery timeline being pushed. That's the delivery timeline you're being told when you order. This, we're talking about orders that have been placed for months. Um, a lot of them were like January, February, around that time when Tesla uh, announced the new version of the Model S, uh, which was delayed, of course, until June, and uh, which makes sense until until the June delivery timeline. I don't think a lot of owners were complaining. Some of them, of course, were, but for the most part, people are aware Tesla is starting to bring a new car to market. There's some working pains, and it happens. But then from June... Tesla was actually giving you like delivery windows and everything that uh, people started making plans uh, around and getting VIN. Uh, I've been told not to say VIN numbers because it's repetitive because the N in VIN is numbers, but it's so hard not to do so. I might do it a few times, guys. Um, so they, they get their VIN and then they apply for financing. They, they apply for the insurance. Uh, they, they start moving in on their trade-ins, which a lot of people don't do with Tesla and because <laughs> they don't get a good pricing. And then if you do it with Tesla and then Tesla pushes your delivery timeline, they don't honor the price that they gave you on that trade-in too. So it's, it creates a, bun- a bunch of issues on that front. And then there was no explanation for their delivery uh, being pushed, no explanation for their VIN being given and then taken away, which is the strangest part because cars in production, you have the VIN number and then it goes away. Um, and then also if you go on the TMC board where they track the deliveries and everything, a bunch of people that place delivery a lot more recently were getting delivery of the car before people that placed their, their order months ago. And uh, so so basically they were asking more information. Uh, we reported on it last week. And now earlier this week, uh, Tesla sent an email to a lot of those owners uh, basically apologizing for the uh, inconvenience of the delivery timelines being pushed. Not really any information about it. Uh, other than that, they say, we're contacting you regarding the timing of your Model S delivery as we recently updated your Tesla account to reflect the most accurate estimate. You may see a delay with regards to your delivery timeline. So a very general like email that they sent to everyone. Like There's no specific about your a specific delivery timeline is just a, g- a generic email. But then they say, we understand this may be disappointing and, uh, and apologize for any inconvenience this may have caused. Please continue to check your, your Tesla account for any change to your timing, which should remain updated to represent our best estimate. The, uh, wait a minute. Does Tesla don't even like send you an email to tell you that they updated it? 
Like they just, you just have to keep checking your account to see if you have another, like at least it should be like an automated system, right? To let you know that they changed the timeline. Uh, uh, I haven't, I haven't yeah. ordered a Tesla in a while, but um, usually uh, you you get some sort of like call from yeah. a dude that at the, at the place saying, Hey, you're yeah, but here. now here's a crazy thing. When Tesla sent out that email, a bunch of people who had cars on orders for a while now, they saw their estimates that which most of them were like uh, August to October. They saw that a lot of them saw it pushed all the way to February 2022, which is what you get for a new order on the car too, uh, which is kind of, which is kind of weird. But then it get it gets a lot weirder when you go into uh, we of course from the first article that I wrote about it, a bunch more um, buyers reached out to me with their own situation regarding their orders. And a lot of them have suggested that they, they they said that Tesla suggested to them that if they update the order to and accept the new pricing, which is a ten thousand dollar price increase, if you put your order before June, I don't know exactly try timing in June, but at some point in June they increased the base price of the long range by five thousand, and then last month they did it again by five thousand. So there's a ten thousand dollar difference. Uh, you could be able to get your car sooner. Uh, and of course, Tesla never put that in writing, but uh, four different buyers who, and I, I got a lot of pushback about that from people that I have on order. They say, hey, Tesla ever, never suggested that to me. Have you ever talked to Tesla about it? Like, that's the first thing. Those four owners, what they had in common is that they were pressing Tesla for information, like what's happening with my order. Put my order five months ago. It was supposed to come now. And now you're telling me that I have to wait another six months. Makes no sense. What's happening? Like trying to get more information, there are some configurations of the cars that uh, appear to push your delivery timeline. Uh, the white interior uh, and uh, the 19-inch wheels, which don't make more much sense. But um, it, here's the thing, though: Tesla tells you, like, "Oh, just change to the 21-inch, and you, you'll get your order sooner." But then you only have to pay the di- the difference between the 19 inch and the 20 uh, 21 inches wheels. You also have to pay the additional ten thousand difference on the base price for it. That that's where Tesla loses me. Like, yeah, exactly. Let those people not get the ten thousand dollar difference. Like, let them if they want the 21 inch and it gets them their car faster. Okay, great. But let them pay just the difference between the two wheels, not the ten thousand dollars that you increase the price of the car. Uh, before you ever delivered any of them basically uh right and objectively like that's yes. a fair thing to do like it it i mean it's hard to argue against that like i i mm. you know i saw on the post there was a lot of people saying oh it's the white it's not mm. sure okay fine change the color of the inside but you know charge don't charge mm-hmm. them ten thousand dollars for because you know like yeah. that's just crazy but uh apparently not so. that's uh that's not happening. Uh, Tesla is trying to maximize uh, the uh, get per car on the Model S, and that's like that goes back to what we were just talking about with the Model Three, uh, which makes exactly. sense for new orders. Like I have no problem a company doing that. Like keep keep doing it. Like uh, I would do it too. I'll maximize my profit on that. But for existing orders that been there for six months and you already delayed a bunch of times on these guys, like yeah, throw them a bone. And especially the craziest part. These are and your these are your best customers. Best. Like they're they're buying Model S at, <laughs> yeah. at the. And not only that, most of them, most of them I've talked to, 
like it's their third Tesla, their the second Tesla. Like it's not their first one. Right. There's a long time good customers there, and a lot of them are, are getting mad at Tesla, and I understand them. Like they're not being treated very well for uh like you and people are telling me, yeah, go to the dealership and you're gonna have bad experience. Excuse me, you go buy an eighty thousand dollar car at the BMW Mercedes dealership, uh you'd be surprised of the experience. It's generally a pretty good experience there. Like you pay the price for it, but it, it's a good experience. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and and you 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 said it perfectly. Like the reason that they probably you know pushed the standard model Y all the way to the next year is that they don't mm. make as much profit on that. So they're like, hey, where where's our big margin cars? Mm. Let's you know try to make those first because you know the battery size that you know they can. It doesn't seem like the batteries are the bottleneck no. this time, like they they have been in the past. So, like, might as well sell the most expensive stuff they have or the highest margin stuff they have. This and when year I suggested uh, when I suggested and last week when, that that might be the explanation, uh, we we discussed that you're gonna have to deliver those cars at some point anyway, unless you cancel the 19 inch wheels or you cancel the 21 or uh, the, the the white interior, or whatever. Which I don't expect is gonna happen. You're gonna have to deliver those cars at the price that you promised them at one point. So the, you're gonna you're not gonna make money at the end of the day, but here, we we discussed that if they push that order to the next quarter, though you can make your existing quarter looks good. I mean, if you, if it's like five thousand cars, if it's ten thousand cars, that's fifty, that's fifty million, a hundred million difference in pure profit. So uh, it makes a big difference for Tesla, and it looks like it's what's happening. Like those those people, like some people that I talked to. Literally, we're told, like, all right, you don't want to change. You want to update to the new pricing. It's fine. You can get your car in October. And so if you want to update it, you can get it this month or next month, which is this quarter versus the next quarter. So uh, this this looks weird to me. Uh, it's not it's not what I would expect. All right. Yeah. Elon Musk, well, speaking of the supply chain issues, Elon Musk put the, uh, I don't know how you pronounce that, Renesas? Renesas? It's a Z sound, right? They wouldn't just yeah, want I don't us. either. Yeah, I think so. Japanese, uh, right? and then Bosch, uh, German. Renaissance. Both are big electronic suppliers in the auto industry. Renaissance is mainly uh, semiconductor and micro microcontrollers. Uh, Elon put them on blast this week when uh, regarding the uh, the supply chain issues that Tesla is on there right now. So, Cathie Wood, the big Tesla investor, was um, discussing the numbers out of China this week, which uh, I guess I wouldn't discuss yet, but. Because there weren't anything very surprising, uh, uh, a lot of people in the headlines were all right. Tesla is Tesla sales are crashing in China, but at, at the beginning of every quarter, and even more so this quarter, because Model Y exportation are starting for Europe. Uh, Tesla focused on exportation early at Gigafactory and at Shanghai, which result in low local deliveries but high exportation. Uh, so the exports were over twenty thousand units out of thirty two thousand. Um, did a, a car produce at Gigafactory Shanghai? So they were discussing that, and um, Elon Elon commented that uh, Tesla makes car for export in the first half of uh, of quarter and for local market in the second half, as we just discussed. As publicly discussed, we are operating under extreme supply chain uh, limitation regarding certain standard automotive chips. So this is a more interesting part here because he, he sort of implies that Gigafactory Shanghai is is getting those big uh, limitation here. 
so that the 32,000 vehicle output last quarter, last uh, month could have been much higher. So that's the interesting part. We know that Tesla claims uh, 450,000 cars annual capacity at Shanghai, which is just insane. And he said most problematic out of those extreme supply chain limitations are by far uh, Renaissance and Bosch. So put in those two on blast here. And uh, Bosch is, of course, a sure. major, major supplier in the, in the industry. So this is affecting everyone. But Tesla is also, of course, uh, buying uh, microcontrollers and power electronics from them. And Renaissance uh, semiconductor and microcontrollers, too. So... Let's keep an eye on those two and the announcement on that front because that could affect Tesla. And, uh, of course, everything that affects Tesla's production affects overall electric car output in the world because there's no company that's producing more EVs right now, or at least long-range EVs. All right, good news for our salvage cars, uh, friend out there. Uh, last year, Tesla started implementing a company-wide ban on uh, supercharger access. Not only supercharger access, but any third-party fast charging on cars that have been uh, um, that, that the title have been updated to being salvage. So any car that was involved in, in, in kind of accidents or flood or anything like that, uh, they are they are being put a salvage car and sold on auctions, and a bunch of uh, savvy tech people buy them. And uh, put them back into shape, or or, or not, or they just uh, they just disassemble them for parts, and then use those parts to put other Tesla that have been salvaged back into shape. Of course, uh, Rich Rebuild has been known to do that on his YouTube channel. You have Jason Huge that uh, has uh, this giant warehouse full of Tesla parts from salvage car that he buys all over the country, and then um, puts them uh, sell them for people that have like some cool uh, conversion projects and things like that. So you have a lot of people that do that, and and it's it's a good thing for for, for Tesla's mission because he keeps EVs on the road. Uh, he puts new EVs on the road when they after the cars have been salvaged if for those conversion projects. Just all good stuff. But last year, Tesla issued an issued an update saying that they have security concerns with putting those cars on the supercharger network and any kind of fast charging. So they remove the access altogether. There's some. There's a valid point in that, in, in that, yes, I mean, if the car was damaged, if there's something wrong with the um, the, the the connectors, um, there's something wrong with the battery itself, like supercharging it could be a problem. Um, but the problem is that Tesla just did that out of nowhere and didn't offer any path to like inspect the car to see if they, if they could be put on the supercharger network or any kind of fast charging. They just didn't offer anything. Like they just killed the value or a big part of the value of the salvage vehicles by doing that straight away. And uh, now they are reversing that. Uh, there's no official communication from Tesla. This was flagged first by uh, Green, of course, a uh, friend of Electric and famous Tesla hacker, for lack of a better word. And uh, he, uh, he started getting so, and of course, he has some experience too with salvage Tesla vehicles. And he, he started flagging that some some Model 3s, especially, were which uh, Model 3s were kind of spare, salvage Model 3 was kind of spare from that uh, for a while. Uh, the update was first made official, I think, in February 2020. But then the Model 3s, they went like under the radar until October when there was a big band wave. And if you have a Model 3 with a salvage title, you were off the supercharger network. Now, a bunch of them started reporting. Yes, indeed, they are getting supercharger access back. Here we have uh, Casey Willey. 
that uh, is showing his car, salvage car, getting charged. But some Model S to some Model S owners have reported uh, that their salvage car is back on the network too. So, but again, no communication from Tesla here, uh, and and it, it's kind of strange because if you had a safety concern of getting those cars on the network and now they're back on it, like explain to us what changed, <laughs> um, which uh, which would would be nice. But uh, of course, I don't think that's going to happen. So when you say Tesla communication, you mean Elon tweets? And I think one of the reasons why uh, they might be doing this is because they're going to pretty soon have uh, non-Tesla cars on their network, yeah. right? So if they're having, yeah. if they have, you know, Mach-E's and yeah. Chevy Bolts charging, like they can, they can't really do that. Uh, they don't they probably even don't even cars, know so. if they have a salvage title because. Because with with uh, the Tesla, if you want to link your Tesla account to a used Tesla, you have to upload it, upload the title on Tesla's website, and then you know if it's salvaged or not. So that's how Tesla knows. I don't think they would be able to do that with other cars because you, 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 unless they do it through the app, they link you to. Uh, may, maybe they would do it. We don't we don't know that update to the app hasn't come yet. But uh, I think you have a good point here. Um, but technically, if they enable a new car on the supercharger network, they would have to test those car from a third party uh, on the network, make sure it's safe and everything. Like every charging station manufacturers does that. But um, yeah, it would it, it would create a different situation where like all of the cars are allowed, some tests are not allowed, and you cannot even explain it. It's not it's not great. But yeah, I'm a broken record, but I, I think Tesla yeah, needs a PR department to ask them about stuff like that. Like, what what happened? What changed? Like, give us some information. That's all we're asking here. It's uh, useful yeah. to have. Or even somebody in Elon's, like, office to just, you know, like, you know, there used to be somebody who would, you know, kind of back-channel information. Yeah. Like, uh, that would be helpful. Um. The other thing is, like, I wonder if the language of the infrastructure, energy infrastructure bill is such that they can't exclude, uh, you know, if they say, we, you know, we charge Teslas, then you can't exclude Teslas that, you know, have been Maybe, yeah. I, I, I read the... I read the language on the bill. I didn't see anything like that. That's when I saw that uh, you you needed more than one manufacturer uh, authorized to use the network. Right. But other than that, I didn't see anything on that front. All right, uh, back to Tesla in China. You got to, uh, Tesla applied for five new variants of the Tesla Model Y to be produced at Gigafactory Shanghai here. So. When they want to produce a new car, the factory, they have to apply with the um, Ministry of Industry and Information Technology. And they um, sporadically release new batch of new energy vehicles, which is what they call the electric vehicles, to be produced in the country. And in the latest batch uh, released this week, there were five Tesla Model Y on it. I can go through them here. Two new Model Y standard range. Uh, one with a domestically produced motor, one with an imported motor. Yeah. Um, there is. Uh, okay, I'm skipping here. There is also a Model Y long range, uh, rear wheel drive. That's a new one here that uh, went away. 
model Y rear-wheel drive, a model Y long-range dual motor, and a new model Y performance. Uh, of course, Tesla is already producing a model Y performance uh, uh, or there and a dual motor long-range. So these would be new version of those and a model Y long-range rear-wheel drive, which is not on Tesla's configurator. So the Model Y standard range, or at least one of those, is going to be for the domestic market that Tesla already uh, started taking order for last month. And deliveries are expected to start pretty soon. So that makes sense. But there's a few of them in there that are completely new. So we assume that some of them are going to be for exportation. Um, of course, Tesla already exported 8,000 Model Y last month. And uh, those are starting to arrive in Europe. We just posted this morning of this... Uh, uh, this guy that spotted a uh, nut Model Y, <laughs> Model Y in a in a truck uh, coming to uh, the Netherlands, and then, um, there were two Model Y on it, and there was a decal that says "Not a Mo- Not Model Y," which I assume is Tesla's uh, joke of a of a, of a camouflage, <laughs> like it, uh, kind of um, laughing at the industry a camouflage that they have when they have test vehicles and they have those weird uh, wrap on them. Instead, Tesla puts "This is not a Model Y." <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, it's Europe. Like everybody, everybody understands English there. Not everybody, but you know what I mean. All right, Elon is in Germany this week. Uh, He went and visited the Gigafactory Berlin, and he went with uh, this uh, gentleman here was uh, expected to be the next Chancellor of Germany, uh, replacing Angela Merkel as the head of the uh, Conservative Party. So he's like a shoe in to become uh, the next chancellor. And my understanding of uh, German politics is uh, limited, so correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I think that's the expectation right now. So he gave them a, like a personal tour of the factory, and uh, the most interesting part of it is that uh, it resulted in an updated timeline for the start of production at the important plant in Europe. And Elon said that uh, hopefully they're getting approval to make the first cars maybe in October, if we are fortunate, we always need to be careful when we look at Elon's words. <laughs> so when he says things like "hopefully," "maybe," "if we are fortunate," like this is Elon time here. This is his optimistic timeline. So October, if everything goes well, and again, he's talking about approval here. So that the um, Tesla is still looking for the final approval for the government to authorize the start of productions. So they're still doing a ton of work there. But uh, they cannot roll out the first car off the line until they get the government approval. And apparently, they got a friend in the, what's this guy's name? Uh, Armin Laschet. I'm pro- probably butchering his name, and I'm sorry about that. But uh, the, the the candidate here for the Conservative Party, uh, he uh, he said that because uh, Elon blamed and has been blaming for a while um, German bureaucracy for the delays at the Gigafactory in Berlin. And uh, this guy said, sometimes one has the impression that inventing something new is technology easier than dismantling bureaucracy in Germany. So he seems to agree that there's uh, too much bureaucracy in the country. And uh, Elon has been suggesting for a while that there should be a frequent reviews of regulations that tend to be adopted, but not never um, removed. So you just accumulate and just stack up regulation over regulations and a lot of time they are they, they don't make sense to keep them if you uh, introduce new ones. So, not familiar or not with uh, German bureaucracy to have any opinion on that. So I'm gonna 
trust these guys for now with uh, some skepticism. All right, this this was a big story this week, but I think it was a bit too big for for what it really was. Is uh, the U.S. Senate adopting a forty thousand dollar cap on electric car prices in order to access the federal EV tax incent tax credit, and also a cap on income uh, of a hundred thousand dollars to get access to the credit. So this was introduced by this lady here, Senator Deb Fisher, a Republican from Nebraska, if I'm not mistaken. Um, R-N-E-N-E is Nebraska, I think, yeah. Nevada or Nebraska? Nebraska. Oh, just, N-E ooh, is Nebraska. Internet is always incredible. Uh, so, yeah, uh, she um, she introduced this in the Senate as part of uh, like an amendment to the uh, budget bill that is uh, going through the legislative process right now. And uh, she thinks that uh, the uh, incentive is just such a big big subsidies for electric cars and it's so bad and all the rich people are getting it and um it's a terrible situation so she wanted to had a cap on it so now it's she wants it to be only eligible to cars that cost less than $40,000 and you need to have an income of less than $100,000 to claim the incentive which again the incentive is a tax credit so you need to have a tax, a federal tax burden of seventy five hundred dollars to even take fully advantage of that incentive. Now I don't know. I know there's a lot of way to change your tax rate in the U.S. You guys uh, love the loopholes and whatever, but uh, I don't know if a hundred thousand dollars will give you that uh, federal uh, tax burden. So I, it, I don't know. It makes it doesn't make much sense. But anyway. That was the big news. Like people said, oh, this is uh, this is the end of this car. This is the end of that car, whatever, because it costs more than $40,000. But here's the thing. First of all, it's a non-bending uh, amendment to the to to the uh, bill. Even though it was approved by the US Senate, it was voted, I think, 51 to 48. So a few Democrats did vote for it, for sure. And uh, that, uh, that uh, made it adopted by the Senate. But it still needs to go through the uh, House of Rep- Representatives. And I think it's going to be a lot more challenging to get that passed there. And not only that, it's being introduced just as the program is also getting reformed. So like, what whatever they're doing there won't have much of an impact once the uh, reform is uh, being pushed through, which is expected to be done by the end of the year. Uh, we don't know what form exactly that will take. We think the Clean Energy for America Act is the leading proposal right now uh, it, in it itself, it introduced a cap on the price of the cars, but uh, it's at $80,000, not $40,000. And I don't think there's any cap on income. But anyway, like it, the big difference here is that it's it's they're aiming for it to be a point of sale incentive and not a tax credit, which would make a big difference here. Um, look, I, I, I was always weirded out by the fact that the US incentive didn't have a cap on the price. Like you could buy a $150,000 car and you would get yeah. the, the incentive. It's weird because like if you look at most other countries, there is a cap on the price. You just don't want to incentivize an extremely luxurious vehicle purchases uh, with an incentive that's related to emissions. There is an argument that doesn't make sense because what you, you have to look at the goal of the subsidy here, the goal of the incentive. And the goal is to convince people to buy an electric car over a gasoline car. Now, whether it's a super expensive sedan, like an S-Class you, you, that you're looking at kind of car, and then you have a little S next to it, and you're like, oh, well, I'm, 
I'm thinking between the Model S and the S class. Oh, there's a $7,500 on the Model S. I'm going to get that one instead to take advantage of that. Like, technically, the, sub- the subsidy was successful in doing that. But here's the thing. At the same time, on the higher end of the market, the electric cars are already competitive in price with their um, gasoline, diesel-powered counterpart. So you don't really need that incentive. Like, if you're looking for an 80, well, now $90,000 car, uh, your Model S right now, like, even though, like, you have some issues with the deliveries and whatnot, I think is your best option. So I'm not, I'm not big on that. Uh, I think a price limit makes sense. Now, I don't think her $40,000 price limit makes sense. I think something in between that $40,000 that she's, she's putting forward and the $80,000 in a clean act would make sense. I think fifty to sixty thousand dollars. I think no more than sixty thousand dollars. That I think that's on the high end. But fifty, fifty-five. I think that would make sense. I think it's it's uh, is it is it forty-five to fifty-five? I think in 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 Canada. But in Canada, though, we have Canadian dollars, and everything is more expensive in Canadian dollars. So in Canada, it's actually it's actually maybe a little bit low. But in the U.S. in U.S. dollars, it would make sense. Maybe they should stick it to. They could tack it to like the average price. So if it's less than the average price, which is forty two thousand dollars right now, I don't know. Maybe fifty thousand is a good number. You can get a Model Y under fifty thousand dollars. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. We know that once that is set, we'll <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever it is, uh, manufacturers it is. will figure it out and get under that price. There's the yeah, uh, like of course. I, we just don't want it to do what they did in Canada, for example, which what they did wasn't great. Like you have a car with 150 right. kilometers of range that's software locked, and like it's it's not it's not an ideal solution. Um, yeah, I think fifty thousand would make would, would make sense if if you want to push it a little bit higher, maybe fifty five. I think because I, I, a lot of cars in that price range, uh, w- you, you give them seventy five hundred bucks and it makes all the difference, and a lot of people would go for it instead. Uh, and you don't need it for long too. You, you just need it for a few more years until the market the market adjusts, and and then no one's going to want to buy a gasoline car anyway. So, so. Right. Well, I mean, if we're talking about real talk, they shouldn't even have a electric vehicle tax credit. They should have, you know, a carbon tax, and that would everything would just equalize immediately. But Nobody yeah. wants to hear anything about it. That, that's why I hate when we have this yet. discussion because like we, we look like a bunch of guys that are just looking for subsidies, like our our industry needs subsidies and everything. And like it, we, we if we want to talk about it in the most perfect way, we have to frame it into the very real context that the fossil fuel industries is getting more subsidies than any other industries by a wide margin. Uh actual direct subsidies in the first place but then you have to account for the impact of the emissions that those industries are producing that has very real impact on health and therefore on 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 finance on on the economy um but it's for some reason this is too abstract for a big part of the population and uh they, they just like if you don't see it out of their pockets directly out of the tax dollars it's it's not real and everything it's super hard to have this discussion and then you go, that discussion brings you to the other thing that you just said, which is a carbon tax. Like we, every EV owners out there, most of them would be perfectly fine if you remove that incentive and you just take into account that cost that the fossil fuels have 
on the products that produce them, and that would that would solve the issue. Um, of course, you have to make that tax, that carbon tax, progressive for income because you don't want to just uh, ravage the, the lower income people. That gas, the gas budget for them is is an important part of the budget and everything. So you have to make it progressive. But there's definitely ways to 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 apply that. It's not uh, uh, there's no doubt about it. All right, what we have next? So we just have a few more uh, articles to discuss. And then take less than 10 minutes probably. And then we're going to jump into the comments. So like Dan said earlier uh, today, please make your comment. Uh, you know, if you have a question, I should say, make it all cap. If you're just commenting or uh, discussing in the comments, you can put it lower cap. That would be very helpful. Chevy released a little, a little teaser, a little new teaser for Silverado Electric pickup truck. No official timeline on it just yet. All the information. Yeah, drip dropping right now. Yeah, well, there was this thing here that was uh, they never really discussed, uh, but by officially by by uh, GM, but they had the prototype of the truck in the background. Of, this was like an investor conference, something like that, mm-hmm. or an announcement about a vehicle, but not specific to the Silverado. They did confirm that it's going to have over four hundred miles of range, which is uh, pretty nice. Or Nice or optimistic, <laughs> uh, one or the other. But uh, yeah, and uh, this week the, the teaser was uh, regarding the uh, all-wheel, the four-wheel steering system that the, the truck is going to have. So it's very similar to what we've seen in the Hummer. Well, look at this. This is a pretty cool video here. Like you see, woo, you get the pretty insane turning radius by uh, changing the, the, the steering. Like you see the animation of it too, regular turning radius and then the four-wheel steering radius. Pretty cool, but we've seen something similar in the Hummer EV and the other vehicles are starting to have that too. You have... Um, Actually, I think the Mercedes uh, EQS has that, but it's a pay monthly feature or pay yeah. yearly. Well, we can get into that because this is the next post we can discuss. And yeah, what you, transition. So you do have a standard rear wheel steering, but it's 4.5 degree. And uh, you can unlock with, uh, it's not a monthly payment. It's a one-time, like, over-the-air upgrade, I think, if I'm not mistaken. That was like a yearly payment, but maybe. Oh, that would be pretty crazy. Um, where is it? Where is it? Here. Yeah, it's a one-time payment of uh, 1,500 euros. Not, not mm. cheap. <laughs> not cheap. Yeah, uh, but that boosted to 10 degree. So I don't think it's as much as what we just saw on the on the Silverado there, but uh, it, it still it still helps your handling for sure and uh, tight corners and things like that. That would annoy me knowing that my car could do it, but I can't <laughs> do it because I didn't pay the money. Although yeah. I guess that's that's like ninety percent of what Tesla's doing. Well, Tesla does it too, but like now Mercedes is going fully on board with it. Like there's right. you, in the press release of it, like I saw a lot of reference to like Tesla and like we're doing it, but they're. They make you pay for it. And speaking of paying for it, like that was the big announcement this week is that they released the price for Europe. But uh, we are, we, we kind of did some math that would give us an idea of the price in the US. Look, this is not, this is not an official US pricing at all. And uh, that, that's going to come later this year. But for now, what they say is that it starts at 106,000 euros in, for German pricing. Uh, that includes a 19% VAT. So when we remove that, you're at 86,000 euros. And if you um, 
exchange that into USDs that gives you roughly $100,000. Now, I would expect that the price is going to be a little bit higher than that with the logistics of sending them to the US and the costs and, and everything. And we were expecting a little bit higher pricing too because this is going to be an S-class competitor within Mercedes that is going to compete. It's going to be cannibalizing some of the S-class sales. And the S-class, I think, starts at $109,000 in the US. So uh, if they come at the same pricing, around the same pricing, that would be perfect. Um, I And we're talking about pretty insane vehicle here. I, I, there, there's some angles that I don't like on the car for some reason. Like this one is not impressive to me. Like uh, yeah. Uh, it's it kind of fall flat. Like if you look at an S class, it looks a little bit classier than this. This is kind of a, I get an old Volt kind of a feeling to it at all. Unlike, but there's some other angles that are, are pretty pretty insane. Uh, but they they release all their their trims uh, details and everything. So there's two main trims: AQS 450 plus, AQS 5ED uh, formatic. Main difference being be, being a single motor and dual motor powertrain. So rear-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. Uh, and uh, the 450 uh, is related to the output, I would assume. Uh, there's no actual output or 245 and 385. So that actually not makes sense. I don't know where they're getting the numbers from then. Uh, but yeah, the, the, all the specs are pretty similar other than for the uh, the actual power output of, of the car, 245 and 385 again, because there's a second motor on the other the charging capacity 200 each uh, of course the faster motor results in a faster acceleration so you go from 6.2 to 4.3 uh, other than that the top speed are 210 each and a little bit more efficient of course for the rear wheel drive than the dual motor that's faster but that's a that's about it uh they have a bunch of packages that you can buy to get a bunch of options in there uh four different packages you can uh you can configure that thing pretty uh, pretty high if you want. Uh, uh, of course, the the faster one, the dual motor, already just starts at one hundred and thirty five thousand dollars. So if you uh, euros, that's euros too. So if you want to go with the dual motor, like you already have a pretty expensive car. When I tried to configure like one like fully stacked, and I ended up one hundred and sixty uh, one hundred sixty five thousand euros. So it's two hundred thousand dollar car. <laughs> it's uh it's pretty crazy. Uh, but I mean ultra luxurious options all around the car and everything like this is like if if you're configuring an s class those prices are not like out of the generator either you have an edition one that comes with some uh sp- specific features that uh emg uh line exterior like emg has uh, got involved in the uh designs of the, of the car for uh for the edition one uh, vehicle that's uh i think it's eighteen thousand euros more yeah uh so you have to add that to the price too uh, it's going to be only available for the first year, I assume. So yeah, deliveries are starting uh, by the end of the year in Europe and also I think in the in the US, but uh, they haven't done the US launch just yet. Uh, we're going to have, of course, fewer volume at first. But uh, I'm going to look at this one like this. Well, this is not an actual picture. It's a rendering, but this is cooler to me. Uh, yeah, I think the problem with it that I don't like it is the fake grill with the lights in there like it's too large i think it's a bit too large but but mercedes has been doing that over the years the logo in front is keep getting bigger and bigger all the time like keeps filling up that grill yeah i mean what else are they gonna put there though at this point you gotta have something i guess yeah i feel like maybe like a different slope of the line here i kind of feel like uh auto designers underestimate people's ability to not have a grill like you know tesla 
tried the, the plastic grill at first uh, with Model S, and they went away from it. And you know, it was jarring at first when you saw the the Model X was the first Tesla without a grill. It was a little jarring, but like people got over it pretty quickly. And now it's kind of like you see a Tesla on the street, and you're like, I know that's a Tesla because yeah. it doesn't have a grill. Like from far away, you can tell. And I think objectively speaking, like Teslas are great looking cars. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the, the recently, Model 3, the nose solution for the Model 3 was trashed at first, if you remember. Right. You remember there was like, especially like uh, journalists, auto journalists like hated right. it. Now I think it's mostly, uh, mostly I loved or maybe not loved, but accepted at least. When you said and, when, when the Tesla introduced the first car without a grill, did, did, do, do you mean like, the updated Model S, or do you also include the you, nose cone in that? Then you remember the Model X, um, the prototype yeah. had a nose cone, and then when it was finally revealed, it didn't have a nose yeah. cone. And then, like almost immediately after that, they upgraded the Model yeah. S to have no nose cone. Yeah, but it still had that like little grill, and still does today. But well, the, the, the little vent, the little uh, yeah, slid, if you will. Um, but you know, like the Chevy Bolt, that's a good another example, like. It used to have a fake grill, and now it doesn't. And I think, objectively speaking, most people like the look of the new one a little bit better. Yeah, I would agree. So, uh, why why spend five years, you know, acclimating your customers when you can just do it all at once? Yeah, that's fair. I'm all on board for uh, no grill, no fake grill, no nothing. Just make it look sexy. All right, let's jump into the questions. All right, so we did the. Capital, but I don't know if everybody. Yeah, maybe not uh, everyone was but... on board with that. Uh, so one one from John Pell is uh, y'all's opinion on the Sheng Milo MX O two. Are you familiar with that one? No, at all. Okay. Is that it? Might is it? A, it's either a Chinese car or it's like a bike or something. It's a bike. Yeah, it's, it's oh, a, is it? Yeah, it's an electric okay. bike. Have to uh, uh, send that one to Micah, maybe. Yeah, we're gonna get a new. Electric bike podcast one of these days. <laughs> um, all right, so Dan, you you didn't do your your own. Advice. No, but I think I, he considered that the comment that uh, it wasn't it wasn't meant as a right. question. Like, here you all go. Right, we'll go. We'll go to one of his capitals. <laughs> uh, Renaissance supplies computer chips, but is that what does Bosch supply Tesla? I think no. He, he redid the question after. He's asking what uh, what Bosch supplies Tesla. I mean, I would assume that it's a ton of things that they supply to Tesla. <laughs> like Bosch is a major, major auto suppliers. I would assume that it goes very deep, uh, not just a single part, but a lot of different parts. They were big in power electronics. At one point, they were making a radar for Tesla. They really they they make a ton of things. All right, uh, Brandon Martin. The bill, as presented, now has an eighty thousand dollar cap, or is it still no ceiling? So. The change to the current program was is is the Fisher uh, amendment that adds a forty thousand dollars ceiling, but it's non-binding. So the chances that it actually survives the house is quite low, in my opinion. But the um, the the Clean Energy for America Act, which is the leading legislation to reform entirely the program so also remove the two hundred thousand delivery cap like like this thing for example like if it passed the forty thousand it doesn't affect tesla and gm at all because they already don't have access to, to to them so it's it's a it's a hit for audi it's a hit for for volkswagen with id4 with their version that are more to forty thousand dollars and it's a hit for all those 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 manufacturers 
the so the reform is what we're really focused on because uh, it looks like it's going to happen. The leading effort right now is the Clean Energy for America Act, and yes, it has an eighty thousand dollar cap. I would assume it's going to be negotiated down, just like the twelve thousand five hundred and the ten thousand dollars incentive are probably going to be revised down too. Uh, as long as they keep the point of sale, as long as they remove the two hundred thousand unit cap, I think I think everyone is going to be happy. Uh, Philip Lavoie Lavoie uh, says, uh, "When do you think Rivian will start delivering the R one?" Yes, or the one R one T's. Yeah. Uh, okay, because of the hall cap. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, because there's the R one S too that got me confused. Well, uh, officially delivery starts in September. Uh, is it possible that there's going to be more delays? Yes, uh, I would assume that deliveries won't be pushed that much though. But like anything else, you, you have to look at the ramp up. So it's more about when. Volume deliveries are going to start for the uh, R1T. Q2 of next year, I would be happy. Uh, but between Q4 of this year and, and then in Q2 of next year, I would expect like low volume deliveries, like at best a few hundred units per week would be, uh, would be great to start with. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, I don't know. Like I, I still have my reservation for it, but I'm like I'm big on the Cybertruck, and at the same time, you, do you want to take delivery of your new unit of Rivian? It's a big question. Like right. I, I love the company and everything, but like like any company, their first production car or at least production consumer car because they've been delivering the Amazon delivery van. But I don't know. Well, we should definitely get a review of it at some point, and maybe that'll convince us one way or the other yeah well they, we, we've been talking to them about going to uh, drive one at, i think in september but it's not finalized just yet all right so that's all the caps all right I've seen well let's respect the cap and uh move on <laughs> and hopefully next time it's gonna be more uh used uh by, by the the fan but we appreciate everyone uh, watching live everyone asking questions uh thanks a lot for listening to this week's episode of the electric podcast and make sure to give us a thumbs up. The algorithm loved that for some reason. And uh, also, if you're listening on your podcast app, if you can leave us a, a five-star review, that's really, really appreciated. It helps the show a lot, helps grow the show, and reach more people that love the electric revolution. Uh, see you next time, guys. Have a good weekend.